0: Hello? Is the microphone on? On the ledge is back. Once I've remembered how everything works. I'm Jane Perone, the host. Podcast on the ledge, and after a hideously long break, I am back with a new episode just for you. How the devil are you? I hope the last few weeks haven't been too hideous without the presence of this here pod. Thanks to all of you who've stayed in touch via social media, dropping me emails and encouraging messages. Legends of the Leaf, my upcoming book. Is chugging along nicely. More of that later. But in this episode I'm going to be taking a look at clear plastic pots. Are they useful? What plants grow in them? What are the pros and cons? I'll also be answering a question about millipedes in a monstera. Oh yes, do love a bit of alliteration. Thank you to everybody who has become patrons of the podcast over the summer period. Hannah became a crazy plant person. Lisa upgraded from crazy plant person to legend. Allison, Cy, Francisca and Jeremy all became legends. And Lindsay, Lydia, Josh and Maraid became super fans. And... Harry and Robin gave one-off donations via co-fi.com. So if you're not looking for a long-term relationship with On The Ledge, but just want to pat me on the back for an episode you enjoyed, that is another way of doing it. All the links for one-off donations and Patreon can be found in the show notes at janeperone.com. And one final shout-out the lovely listeners who have been leaving reviews for the show, Helly Bear in Germany, Morgan of Pearls and Jacaya17 in the US, Lady Chetty in the UK. You are all five-star listeners, so thank you very much for adding your kind words about the show and putting them in the public domain. Right, let's talk about plastic pots, and we're going to start off with a little trip inside my house as much as 10 steps from my office to my main house. And we're going to have a look at some of my plants planted so you can see the roots. Let's check them out. Just gonna try. <laughs> now I've come in here, I've actually got to remember which ones are planted in clear plastic. And I have to say in my collection, the vast majority of those are my Hoyas. Let's have a look at the first one that comes to mind. This is Hoya bella. And what am I seeing when I lift up this pot? Well, what's beautiful about the clear plastic pot is it's really easy to see exactly what's going on with the roots of this plant. So if your plant is in an opaque pot, all you can do is look at the surface and hopefully not see roots poking up that way, and then look underneath. And see some roots coming out the bottom possibly but when you've got a clear plastic pot there's so much more to be seen so looking at this little plant I've been a bit worried about it because it wasn't getting enough light so I've moved its location and now I can see how the roots are doing it's quite a young plant I got this as a cutting from listener Al thank you Al and I can see that there's a couple of roots coming out the bottom and I can see roots surging down at the bottom of the pot quite close to the bottom of the pot so that makes me think that higher up there's a pretty good root ball forming there but it's not ready to be repotted i can also see as well as just the feeling the weight of the pot i can see how much water is in that soil from the color of the soil and what's happening where the soil is starting to lift away from the edge where it's dry so the top layer is a paler color Of brown and as I go further down the pot that color darkens and you can see that the compost is sitting closer against the edge of the pot because it's damper there's more moisture there so while the top is completely dry if I feel the top of that plant that is absolutely bone dry down at the bottom I can tell without even sticking my finger in there's a fair degree of moisture down there so this plant um, is one that I would look at whether i need to water it or not Hoyabella bella is one of the hoyas that needs more moisture than a lot of the others so i think in this case i probably will water it especially given it's still quite actively growing but it's a great way of telling what's going on with the water and i can also look out for any other issues that might be occurring whether i've got any beasties in there we'll be talking about millipedes <laughs> in potting mixes a bit later on but it just gives me a really good health indicator for this plant. And I can say that I'm really happy with how that hoya's looking. Let's take up another one that's in a a plastic pot. Ah, Now, this is the other important thing to note here. What I'm doing right now is I'm popping that clear plastic pot back into a cash pot. And we'll talk back in the studio about why I do that, but there are reasons other than just the delightful looks of the cash pot as opposed to the not so delightful look of the clear plastic pot okay who else have we got here in clear plastic okay another hoya here this is um, a hoya sunrise cutting that somebody sent me i'm not sure if they were a listener or not and i can have a good look at this one again i've got lovely roots i mean i did post earlier in the week something under the hashtag root porn <laughs> because I just love being able to see roots. Um, And on this plant, again, I've got a really good view and I can see that it's rooting nicely. The roots are questing down into the soil. Underneath, I've got one tiny root poking out of the bottom. And I can also see that again, same story with moisture, top half of the pot, totally dry, bottom half, there's quite a bit of moisture around there. So I'm getting a really good snapshot of what's going on with my plant. But I can tell at the top where the substrate has dried out a bit and it's pulled away from the edge of the pot. That looks very different from the bottom where it's moist. The moisture has made it fluff up and it's pressing against the side of the pot. Okay, one more to look at. And this one is another species, but a a similar species um, and a related species. And it's And this one has been growing great guns since I got it. I can't remember the Latin name of this one. It might be Ovata. I need to double check that because I'm terrible at labelling. And again, lifting this one up out of its cash pot, doing beautifully. Loads of lovely roots, but not ready to repot. And it's just so quick to be able to see what's going on with that plant. So that's a little summary of some of the benefits that i find you get from from looking at your hoyas planted this way Uh, as as opposed to here where i've got a hoya that's in a black pot and i haven't got a scooby-doo what's going on with it because the top of the surface is dry i'm gonna have to stick my finger in there and have a look at what's going on because it's really dry on top but yeah i can feel that moisture down below but if it was in a clear plastic pot, it would be so much easier to see. So yeah, that is a little array of some of my Hoyas and their clear plastic pots. And let's head back into the studio now to talk about some of the downsides of clear plastic or potential downsides. Before I forget that... Dishidia was indeed Ovata, Dishidia Ovata, the, I think it's called the Watermelon Dishidia. Only my second Dishidia after Ruskifolia, the Million Hearts, but it seems to be doing really amazingly well. I love Hoyas and Dishidias, as you may well know from listening to the show, and it seems a good one so far. One thing I didn't mention in that clip was another little thing I do if I'm particularly worried about a plant. And that is get a faithful permanent marker pen, a Sharpie, other permanent marker pens are available and you can just mark on your pot on the outside of that transparent pot where the roots are growing. You can kind of make a root map on the outside and that allows you in a week or two it's time to then go back to that pot and check whether those roots are growing. It's just a little bit of fun but it can be a useful guide to check whether your plants are expanding their roots particularly on things like hoyas where sometimes the top growth can be slow on new cuttings. So you've seen that most of my clear pots are used for Hoyas and Dechidias. What other plants can you use them for? The most famous group of plants that are often planted in see-through pots are the orchids. And that's because orchid roots are covered in a substance called velamin, which can photosynthesize. So that's why orchid roots tend to be a little bit green, especially when you've just watered them. So the idea is your transparent pot lets light through to those roots. They can photosynthesize. The plant is happy. You're happy. As we've said in other episodes about orchids, you don't have to have them planted that way. They can easily grow in opaque pots. But if you want to give them that little extra edge, then a plastic pot can work. Hoyas and joshidias, well, they're also epiphytes. That's a plant that grows on another plant, but unlike orchids, they don't have photosynthesizing roots, but they do have quite small root balls and roots that are potentially used to having a bit more exposure to light than, say, a plant that's planted into the ground. And this is worth bearing in mind because roots are programmed to grow down. The hormone auxin, which is present in roots and in leaves and stems as well, tells them To follow gravity, this is called positive gravitropism. See word gravity is in there and tropism, which means moving. So roots are programmed to grow down. And they're also subject to what's called negative phototropism. So that just means they're programmed to grow away from light. So what happens when you put a plant in a pot with clear plastic? The roots are going to grow away from the light if you leave that clear plastic pot out on the side without any cash pot around it. Now, that could be a positive or a negative. On the one hand, it could potentially stop the plant from becoming root bound, I guess, because those roots would be drawn away from doing the usual thing that roots do, which is circling round and round the pot when they run out of room uh, in the substrate. On the other hand, potentially being sent away from the exterior of the pot might also prevent roots from filling the whole pot. That's the theory. So all I can say on this is use your own experience and experiment with what works for you. I put my transparent pots into a cash pot for two reasons one to save mess and water going everywhere and two because it means that light isn't reaching directly to any roots and that means that I could literally plant any plant that I could think of in a clear plastic pot without worrying I'm less worried about epiphytes uh, being in a clear plastic pot and light reaching those roots because I think that epiphytes as I say they're in the the cleft of a tree the roots are likely to get more light exposure. Another consideration with clear plastic pots, which you can also use for things like growing in lake and Pond, which we'll be coming, funny enough, be talking about in an upcoming episode where I interview somebody from the company Lechuza, who sells Pond, about their Pond products. One other thing that can happen when you grow in clear plastic is obviously that light's passing through into the soil and algae can result in, and that's another reason to put the clear plastic pot into a cash pot because that will prevent algae from growing. It does happen if you have a clear plastic pot in sunlight, algae will form on the side of the pot and on the laker if you are growing it that way. Also, clear plastic pots generate the most heat when it comes to being hit by sunlight. If the plant is in a brown pot or a white pot, it tends to reflect more heat back, but transparent pots and black pots, they hold onto the most heat, which could be an issue for plants that don't like to have hot hot roots, as it were. One other aspect of this, I'm not that keen on using plastic. And I certainly don't buy any new clear plastic pots myself. My clear plastic pots are ones that I've recycled from plants I've been given, orchids and so on. And I will also recycle things like if my kids come home from the cinema with slushy drinks that come in clear plastic pots, I will repurpose those. You can just stick some holes in the bottom carefully with a pair of scissors or a soldering iron. Um, So I never buy plastic because I just think, why the world is is absolutely absorbed with plastic. Let's not put any more into the system than we need to. So I tend to try to recycle, recycle, recycle. It's one of the reasons that not all of my plants are planted in clear plastic pots because I've got a lot of existing opaque pots that I still use. So I'd love to know what you think about clear plastic pots, whether you use them, whether perhaps you're using some other clear pot like glass the pros and cons you've found and any hitches along the way. I would love to hear what you think on this subject. And also this issue of the roots filling the pot. Is it an issue? Should we be concerned about it? Does it work best for certain plants than others? So far, I've only tried this with my epiphyte type plants and not with anything that would be ground dwelling like my aroids. But I have heard of people having great success growing aroids in clear plastic. So let me know what you think. I would love to to hear how you're using clear plastic pots. Question of the week now, and it comes from Luke who is 17 from New York. And I wanted to answer this question because it just gave me a mental image that (laughs) was rather, oh well, rather arresting, shall I say. Luke has bought a new Monstra Deliciosa, that's the Swiss cheese plant, from a local big box store. Who hasn't done that? And has brought it home, been very delighted, until on cutting away the plastic container, millipedes started pouring out. And Luke writes, I think I am traumatised for life. One thing I know about millipedes is that once they're exhalated, it's hard to get rid of them. What do you suggest? So I'm not sure whether you meant when you said the plastic container, Luke, whether you meant the the clear plastic sleeve that it was in or whether you're taking it out of the plastic pot and putting it into another container. Probably the latter. No matter either way. The first thing I'd say was, I wonder if you've got millipedes or centipedes. They're both members of the myriapod Uh, group. So these are both segmented arthropods that tend to exist inside houseplants and in the garden. The way to tell them apart is quite simple. They are different and millipedes look at each section of their body. Are there one leg on each side or two legs on each side? Now millipedes usually have two legs on each of those segments I mean, per side, if you know what I mean. Uh, centipedes, they've got one. So that's a way to tell them apart. And how do you know whether these are good or bad for your houseplants? Basically, centipedes and millipedes do different things, but neither of them is going to pose a threat to your houseplants. Centipedes, well, they're carnivores, so they will be eating other creatures that might be moving around your plants they're not going to touch your plant or cause any damage to them. Millipedes, well, they are detritivores. So that means they're eating rotting matter that exists in the soil. And uh, that is not a bad thing either. If they're going to eat a root, it'll only be a dead root. So not so bad. You do get some millipedes that will eat a little bit of live stuff. So possibly you might have a problem if you have a heck of a lot of millipedes, but generally they're not something I would worry about. I guess the main thing is that you just are a little bit freaked out by them, which is a natural reaction and you may not want to have them in your pot you're probably not going to see them once they have got your plants got settled in because they come out at night mainly. And it's absolutely fine to just in any way you can. Maybe I always find a dustpan and brush is good for this kind of thing because you can pick them up softly without damaging them, but also without having to touch them if you find that problematic and get them outside. That is one way of, of dealing with them. You know, if you really can't cope with having them in the pot, then what I would suggest is that you need to do a complete uh, repot where you would shake off all of the substrate from the roots. And that will take with it any millipede, sash, centipede uh, presence <laughs> and hopefully their eggs. I mean, there is another way to do it, which I like less because it actually kills the millipedes or centipedes. And after all, we struggling enough with our invertebrate population. So why kill them when they're not doing anything wrong? But if you really want to get rid of them, you can also soak the whole pot in some water with a drop of uh, dish soap or washing up liquid in there, and that will basically drown them. That wouldn't be my preference. I would not recommend it. But if you have a major phobia and you just can't cope with the idea, then that is another way forward. But I would always prefer You to shake off the roots outside. That lets the millipedes or centipedes fly free, or not fly, but you know, crawl free. And then, if you really want to be sure again, you could then put the roots into a tiny bit of soapy water, and that would just mean that any eggs that were attached to those roots would then be dealt with. Um, yeah. My main thing would be also, you know, if you really do suffer from a phobia about insects, is try to get over that because (laughs) insects are everywhere. Invertebrates are everywhere. And we need to learn to embrace them because they are so important and we're losing so many of them. So if you do suffer from a genuine phobia of creepy crawlies, as we might say, do go and get some professional help. I know it can be really debilitating and awful to suffer from a phobia like that. Um, But there is help out there for you. And that way your life gets easier. It's, It's not the quickest thing to solve but there is help out there so please do go and get ha- get help if you have a phobia of creepy crawlies and luke i do hope that helps i'd love to see a picture if you uh, manage to get a picture so we can establish exactly whether you have got a centipede or a millipede but um let me know how you get on and i hope that's helpful What do centipedes eat? Well, it's things like um, spiders and other arthropods, basically. So maybe things that you would quite like them to uh, get rid of for you. If millipedes are living in your houseplant substrate, the other thing to consider is whether you can discourage them by reducing the amount of decomposing organic matter in there. So, you know, if you really have a problem with things like millipedes, you could consider moving to a semi-hydro system or a system where you improve the drainage in your soil. And that will just probably make it less attractive to millipedes in the first place because it is that rotting material that they're going to be living on. I hope that's helpful, Luke, and thanks for sending in your question. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line on theledgepodcast.gmail.com and I will endeavour to help. And if you sent me a question over the summer, I've tried to reply to as many as possible. If I haven't got to you, then please do remind me in an email and I'll endeavour to get you an answer. And a quick correction from episode 190 when I answered a question from Laurie about aphids on her string of dolphins and used the wrong Latin name. Thank you to those of you who pointed this out, including Leon, wonderful long term listener of the show, who sent me a very fascinating scientific paper all about the taxonomic mess The taxonomic spaghetti that is the botanical Latin for this plant. And string of dolphins has gone via various, (laughs) many and various genera and species names and indeed cultivar names. And these are usually designated with an X appearing somewhere so when the, the X appears before the genus, that means it's an intergeneric hybrid. It's a hybrid between species of two different genera. And when it appears after the genus name, then it's a hybrid between two different species within the same genus. I shall link in the show notes to a Document that explains this just in case this doesn't quite make sense to you now. But maybe a couple of examples will help. So, have you ever heard of a house plant called Fats Hedera lisii? Well, Fats Hedera lisii is actually X Fats Hedera lisii because it's an intergeneric hybrid, also known as a notho genus, and it's made up of a hybrid between. Fatsia and Hedera, ivy and false castor oil plant. But what this paper concludes is that its name should be Ex Bacurio delphinatifolius. So this is a hybrid between two different species in different genera, Baculellum articulatum and our old friend Curio relianus, the string of pearls slash beads. So that's where we're at with String of Dolphins taxonomy right now. Um, I'm not sure if that's any clearer. And the name Ex Bacurio Delphinatifolius isn't exactly going to trip off the tongue. But I really appreciate Leon getting in touch to help me with that. And if anyone else wants to see a PDF of this paper and really get down deep into the taxonomy, then I shall put a link to it in the show notes. It's from the journal Phytotaxa. I mean, that's my bedtime reading sorted out. You you probably think that I'm joking about that, but I'm actually not joking because part of the task of researching the 25 plants I'm profiling for my book, Legends of the Leaf, is looking through an awful lot of academic papers on a wide, wide range of subjects. So I have been spending a lot of time deep in botany. It's great fun though, and that is the delight of writing Legends of the Leaf that I get to give you a deep dive into these plants that you may not have come across in other sources. So, if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, you can do that now. There's a link at janeperrone.com. It should be coming out next year. I'm still writing it. I'm sorry that it's taking as long as it is, but As I say, this isn't something I'm just rushing off off the top of my noggin. (laughs) It's requiring a lot of research. So I hope that all the hard work is going to pay off. But if you do want to secure your copy and some of the sweet, sweet merch that you can get with it, then please do check it out if you haven't already. this week's show i will be back next friday and if you're on twitter and around at nine o'clock bst or 4 p.m eastern time do join me for houseplant hour an hour of planty chat and surely the most delightful part of the crazy world of twitter Just follow me at HouseplantHour or look for the Hour hashtag and you'll find the chat quite easily. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, keep an eye on your inbox because I will be releasing the next episode of An Extra Leaf, my bonus podcast, very soon. And I'm going to leave you, if I can, with a quote from garden writer and presenter, Lassa Crusoe, who said in her book, Making Things Grow, enthusiasm wedded to common sense gives everyone a head start in making things grow. Bye. Episode was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, The Road We Used to Take When We Were Young by Kabiku, and Namaste by Jason Shaw. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details.